0: and are committed to encouraging healthy, healing conversations about mental illness.
1: Episodes in this season are made possible by a grant from the Charles E. Kubley Foundation, which is dedicated to bettering the lives of those affected by depression. We are solely responsible for podcast content.
0: Hey, Jerry. Hello, Bridget. How are you doing? Good. You? I'm glad to be here because between the podcast, social media, and all the community outreach that we do, I think it's fair to say that you and I probably read more and discuss depression more than the average person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Agreed. But even... After talking to so many therapists, people, doctors, researchers, reading countless books and trying to keep up with the ever-changing, or should I say slowly changing, uh, mental health news, Mm -hmm. we still can't answer the basic fundamental question of what causes depression. Frustrating. (laughs) It's not to say that on any given day... There's not some definitive piece of research published, but it also might contradict the esteemed piece that was published just the day before.
1: That's right. That's why we so appreciated when we saw the WebMD, which is an online source we trust, define depression as an extremely complex disease that can occur for a variety of reasons, including no apparent reason at
0: all. Yeah, the site also lists numbers of factors that may increase the chance of depression. And it's a long list, including trauma, abuse, certain medicines, conflict, death or loss, genetics, Mm -hmm. uh, substance abuse, serious illnesses, or major life events. Mm -hmm. It points out that clinical depression is different from the normal response to stressful life events since it involves a range of symptoms, including feelings of low self-worth, thoughts of suicide or death. And the one that breaks my heart is the inability to experience joy.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's anhedonia, which is a, a great word, but a sad thing. Today's guest, Cindy, adds a symptom to that list, which is guilt. While she first began experiencing depression after the birth of her first child, it wasn't until years later that she understood and experienced just how deep, dark, and frightening depression's depths can be.
2: I went to a pain clinic for headaches and chronic pain issues, and the depression diagnosis came up again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it made sense. And I started on actually two antidepressants that worked together. And after some adjusting and experimenting, it did work to control my depression. For years, until an event happened, that changed everything for my family. Mm -hmm.
1: Let's talk about that night.
2: I was driving home from my son's college concert. My daughters were in the car and a friend of theirs. My youngest daughter, Beth, was in the passenger seat. And they were all sleeping. It was late at night. I was way too tired. I had never been that tired before. Um, I woke Beth up, my youngest daughter, to help me stay awake. But I woke her up too late, just in time to see me. Well, the car veered to the right. We flattened a road sign. The car flipped three times. And...
1: And... Resulted in a spinal cord injury called C6-7 that left her 14-year-old daughter paralyzed, a quadriplegic.
2: What I'd like to share about that night and that actual the moment when, you know, we're upside down in the car and, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, horrific yes. you know, experience. Um, my daughter, Beth, she was lying on the ceiling, uh, upside down. She couldn't move. And she's reassuring me (laughs) that everything will be okay, that I'm okay, I'm okay, mom, everything will be okay. And I really felt at that time and for a long time after that nothing, nothing at all would ever be okay again. Beth
1: was in intensive care and had two surgeries before being moved to a rehab center for a couple months. She chose to leave a month early to start high school with her friends on schedule. At home during the next four years, Cindy was her daughter's personal care assistant.
2: She was paralyzed from the waist down. So she had arm movement. She had no finger function. Um, So that's another whole aspect of quadriplegia that's a huge challenge is learning how to use your hands again. And she was very determined to be more independent.
1: Witnessing that determination,
2: Cindy was caught
1: between wanting to encourage her daughter and wanting to have what she considered realistic expectations for her. That inner conflict was just one of many for Cindy, as she silently and solo was fighting hard for her own recovery.
2: You know, I, I had in my mind you know i had failed to protect my child and it was uh many years before i could really forgive myself for that but at the same time after the accident the worst depression i had ever experienced settled in and i was not at all you know equipped to deal with it on my own, and I wasn't comfortable sharing it with anyone. I, I felt strongly at the time that it was an accident, but I had, I had caused this tragedy. I had caused Beth's severe injury that she still has and is still dealing with, and as a result of that, I not only changed, you know, her life completely, but I changed the lives of everyone in my family, in our friends, everyone who loved her. You know, I I had hurt everyone that I loved with this accident. So I was determined not to add to that. I didn't want to add to anyone's, um, I didn't want to add my problems to that mix.
1: I've been interviewing people for the past year and a half about depression and I hear over and over and over and I experienced it myself that, you know, almost inability to get out of bed and the questioning whether life is worth living. I cannot even fathom having the mix of emotions that you would have post accident on top of that. It just sounds like it would be a crushing weight.
2: Yes. And I think the one thing that kept me going those first few years was the fact that I was needed. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I I was Beth's person, and I wanted to be. And so that was the thing that actually enabled me, you know, to get out of bed and put that foot in front of the other. But I wasn't taking care of myself. It was a um, a really tough time physically as well as mentally. I have chronic pain issues, and those were just all <laughs> flared way way up, as you'd expect, um, not sleeping well, you know, the whole, uh, the whole shebang of it all. Um, the other aspect of my mental health at that time is I didn't feel worthy. It was sort of like the lies that depression tells us, you know, as you've, I, you know, I, I'm sure you understand that, you know, I somehow deserved this. Uh, I think it tied in with the guilt. So, that was part of it for me, too. We are focusing
1: on Cindy here, not to minimize Beth's experience, but because our focus is depression. And we know that many listeners struggle with guilt and self-forgiveness for actions, perceived actions, or inactions that span the spectrum. Also, amazingly, her daughter didn't experience depression.
2: She was happy. She, you know, she's the happiest person I know, and that's been true. You know, since about a year or so after her accident, she just kind of latched onto life and she made opportunities for herself. And uh, we just had incredible experiences. We traveled the world. uh, She was on the Paralympic Swimming National Team. I, I don't want to suggest that anything was easy because it wasn't even swimming. Swimming was, was years, many years of, of, of failure, actually, you know, to get to the point where, you know, she could swim a lap. So I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm passionate about sharing our story. So much of what happened to us was unexpected. Uh, and even though the story starts, you know, with a kind of that unthinkable tragedy, um, After that, there really was a lot of serendipity along the way.
1: There was also, very understandably, a level of depression and darkness that required a lot of time and professional help to crawl out of.
2: Yeah, even right after the injury, my doctor doubled the doses on my two antidepressants and it didn't make a dent. So it was a long time before medication was ineffective treatment again. But I, I did do the weekly counseling and, you know, even that was very difficult for me for a long time because, you know, all week I'd be just working my hardest to suppress it all. You know, I don't, I don't want to cry in front of anyone. And then I'd get to these sessions and it was just like, wow, you know, it was like um, to talk about it and to, to, let it out. You know, I'd often sit in the parking lot for a long time just to calm down enough to go home.
1: A doctor-recommended 12-week meditation course also
2: helped. It didn't get rid of anything, meditation practice, but what it did for me was a perspective. It allowed me to separate in my mind the depression and the chronic pain from I guess from my core identity, I was able to see it a little bit at a distance, which helped me gain a perspective. So very, very early on with the depression diagnosis and before the accident, I didn't understand depression, and I did think of it as uh, something of a weakness. I was able to get past that, but meditation was something that helped with that, too.
1: And the biggest help, the thing that's really hard to live without, hope.
2: When I think about helping others or advice for others, I always come down to the hope issue. I think that being there for someone who is struggling, listening, encouraging them to talk if they want to, I think those things are priceless. <laughs> and I'm sure that my healing process would have been much quicker if I had reached out to people I love uh, about my struggle. So my thoughts are, to anyone who is struggling, is to to share uh, and um, to find people to listen. And I, I think that that alone is a big step in the right direction. The other thing is never giving up, because that's something I learned from my daughter— Failure isn't easy, and I, I struggle with it, but, you know, I've seen, I've seen through her and through uh, many people we've met through our travels and in the disability community that never giving up is, is the key to really getting
1: where you want to go. So, if, like us, you did not expect this interview to be so hopeful, hold on to your hats. Beth is now 32. She not only lives independently, but she graduated from Harvard, where she competed on the varsity women's swimming team before heading to Stanford to earn her law degree. She now works as a healthcare policy lawyer in Washington, D.C., and is planning her spring wedding.
2: It's wonderful to see how the story resonates with people, even beyond um, mental illness and disability. But the fact that you can go through something, something like that, and be at such a low place that a low place you never could have imagined, and you can find your way out of it—that's um, that's what I'm hoping to share with people. That there is hope even when, even when it really, really feels like there isn't any.
1: And with that, Cindy and I said our goodbyes and thank yous. Then she blew my mind by adding,
2: And I guess one more thing is, after the accident, we had no clue at all. (laughs) None of us, even Beth. We didn't have a clue that our lives would be better for this. Everyone in our family, friends, um, Beth especially, and, and myself, I believe that my life is better now because of... Of uh, the accident, the injury, uh, Beth agrees she wouldn't, um she wouldn't change anything. Good. so that's Good. kind of a strange thing to <laughs> think about too and it it's hard for people to understand, especially right after they've experienced a tragedy or someone's been injured. Um, but I think it's part of that never giving up and the hope wins. It, it can be it can enhance your life.
1: She literally has said, if she had the choice or the opportunity to go back and change it, she would not. Yes. Wow.
2: And you know, um, I'm i I can say that too, which is strange. Uh, you know, with the uh, mental health issues I went through, but the people we've met, the places we've been, the experiences, the it ended up being such a broadening for everyone in our family. Uh, <laughs> beyond our, you know, kind of our small life in a small town. Um, And life is good now. We are so grateful to be where we are now.
0: Wow. Honestly, Terry, if we had made up this story, we would all agree that we'd probably gone too far with the happy ending. But every word is true. And every word is proof that as
1: long as we're alive, we don't know what can happen, what can change,
0: what can improve, or how our stories will play out. So please follow Beth's lead. Please don't stop trying and never
1: give up. It's, it's quite a story. And Cindy has a blog, the mother, called Struggling with Serendipity. And if you think her message and hope and experience is not appreciated or needed um you might be surprised to know that she has almost nineteen thousand followers on twitter uh that's a lot more than we have uh which is her and her twitter handle i think they call it maybe i'm confusing it with cbs uh is at cindy c-i-n-d-y underscore k-o-l-b-e if you want to learn more from
0: her Oh, Cindy, thank you so much for being such a glorious example of resilience. Thank you. And remember that September is
1: Suicide Prevention Month, so keep your eyes and ears open. If you notice somebody is struggling, ask them, listen to them, be there for them, and if you are, the same in reverse. We'll be talking about that next week in our two-part podcast that will start about how we can help somebody who we believe is struggling, some specific ways to reach out to somebody.
0: Really specific, Mm -hmm. as in doable, helpful steps. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. I can't wait either. It's very good. I love you very much, Terry. I love you too, honey. Thank you. Bye. We hope that these shared stories bring out a little more understanding or help people articulate their experiences of depression a little more clearly or more freely